Welcome to Sunday Celebrations. This is the podcast version of a radio show that airs on Easy Music 3MP every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock and across the Ace Radio Network every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock. With thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives, our guest today is television and radio personality Glenn Ridge. From his early days on regional radio in the late 70s, Glenn's TV career began in Bendigo, hosting his own music and children's shows that aired across regional Victoria and southern New South Wales. Then in 1991, he joined the Nine Network as host of Sale of the Century, where he stayed for 10 years. He's also had a couple of stints on Melbourne Radio on 1377 3MP. These days, he has his own media company, is a huge supporter of Australian motorsport, regularly competing in tarmac and off-road races, including the Targa Australia and West Australia's Targa as well. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Sunday Celebrations, Mr Glenn Ridge. Grant, nice to be with you and thank you very much for the warm welcome and it's nice to be back on 3MP again too. Yeah, well it's been a few years and you were there for a couple of different iterations, the MTR days, but also the My MP back when it became more of a music thing. I mean, I was going to talk about this later, but we'll jump into it now. 3MP, the 1377 frequency, is like a cat, isn't it? It's like, well, it's had more than nine lives now. It's an amazing part of Australian radio history when you think about it, going back to the early days of the Keith McGowans and uh, and that sort of thing, and and where they topped the Melbourne ratings, but they weren't a Melbourne station Mm. uh, because at that stage, Mornington Peninsula and and, uh, down that part of, of Melbourne was very much not class. It was almost like another July. Well, let's go back just a couple of years to growing up in Adelaide. I'd like to just start a little bit there and uh, leaving school, becoming an engineering draftsman for the South Australian Housing Trust for five years. Did you did you go through school wanting to be an engineer? Was that the, the aim or was there this little burning radio DJ in the background the whole time? I went through school not knowing what the hell I wanted to be. In fact, I could almost argue I still don't know what I want to be. Um, I, it was a funny time. I never liked school. School. I was never studying it, uh, uh, as all of my results said. In fact, most of my reports came back to my parents, something along the lines of, uh, has potential, talks too much. <laughs> so I guess to a degree I was destined to end up where I, I was going to. But uh, the reason I got into the public service was uh, I managed to snag the job halfway through year 12, or mm. matriculation as it was mm. known as that job that time. But um uh, so I, I had the job starting at the end of that year. So consequently, I never passed matriculation. In fact, the results were pretty shocking, um, mainly because I had no incentive to do it because I had a job. So I, I worked there and, and I got that job because that was part of the time that you thought, oh, well, I better go out and earn a living. Um, and, and I got it. I studied uh, uh, a form of engineering uh, at that stage and I just didn't like it. Uh, and I, I'm not proud to say, but they had a thing called flexi time come into play, and which meant you could start from 10 o'clock, you take a two-hour lunch, and you could leave at three o'clock. And if you didn't make up enough hours, you dock, dock, dock the pay. However, what you could do is work from seven through until six, and you could pick up hours and then get a day off here and there. Mm. Uh, I, I was every week I was losing money because I really didn't want to be there and I was going to the pub for lunch and things like that. So it was never going to be, I guess, my calling. Mm. Um, in fact, I go to places like Port Augusta now and have a look at some of the road designs I actually designed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised I actually go anywhere. But I had the choice, getting back to your question, at that stage I had a choice of um, 
a mate of mine had a, a station, a, a cattle station. His family had a cattle, cattle station up on the South Australian Northern Territory border, and I'd, I'd done a little bit of stock work there, and uh, I had the potential to go up there and work. I'd also been involved with scuba diving for a while, and I had another mate who was running a scuba diving school, so I, I could have gone down that way. Um, and my next-door neighbour was a guy by the name of Jeff Warden, who people in Melbourne radio may be aware of. He was at 3KZ for many, many years, um, but he was over in Adelaide at 5AD at that stage. And he said, well, you know, why don't you go and do a radio school? So I did a, a school called uh, Vaughan Harvey, yeah. which is very similar to the Bob Taylors. Yeah, yeah. That sort of thing of Melbourne. Yeah. And uh, Vaughan was a very deep-voiced news reader and very prim and proper and, and everything. So... I did that and um, then uh, then lobbed up at 3CV and, and I guess, Brad, from then it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. I've, I've had opportunities come my way, some I've taken, some I haven't, um, but I have no regrets when I look back at it. Uh, but, but the old days, I, I was never going to be a public servant for very long, I can tell you. <laughs> well, you talk about the roller coaster and opportunity coming up. Where did the opportunity for the TV happen? That was Bendigo, yeah, when that sort of first happened? Yeah, look, I was uh, 3CV was my first radio station, uh, and I'll be eternally grateful for them for giving me that opportunity. Um, and uh, part of that, they Channel 8, uh, BCV8, as it was named there, yeah. uh, wanted to do a music video show. Breezen. Breezen, yeah. the old George Benson song. And it used to be when I, there was another show called Night Moves, which was on. Uh, in Melbourne, and mm. it was a, very much at the start. Well, not the start. Countdown had been going for a little while. But it was on at 10 o'clock of a Friday night, and that was when the pubs closed at 10 o'clock. So it actually fitted in really well mm. that people got home from the pubs and they, they used to watch Breeze. Uh, and where I came into play there was, at that stage, I was uh, the program manager, for want of a better title, at uh, 3CV. So I was able to get the connections with the record companies to get the film clips and um, basically I started off by doing a, an album review uh, for the first, I think it was first year of doing the show, um, and I used to do a, an album review. Then after that, they asked if I would host it totally, uh, which I did for a few years and, and had a great time. You know, In fact, I have a look back at those times with, again, very fond memories uh, and very lucky to have been able to... to, to to be a part of a show like it. And music shows, were TV music shows back then were great. I mean, Night Moves, I think from memory, was Lee Simon or was there for a long it time was. in the Melbourne thing. Yeah. And we, of course, had, you know, uh, Donnie Sutherland with Sounds and then Sounds Unlimited. And But they were a really popular sort of TV show at the time. Pretty easy to put together, put someone in front of a camera, get some video clips and away you go. They were, they were really popular though at the time. And the, the good part about it was uh, people loved to watch them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've got to remember at that stage there wasn't a lot on radio and there wasn't a lot on television mm. and it did open up a, a lot of opportunities and you used to get the extended plays and uh, all of all of that type of thing. So it actually made for a fairly entertaining sort of hour of television which was easy to put together and uh, I, I loved it. And the opportunities it gave us too or me and, and other people who were doing it uh, was immense. It's pretty early in the in the pace you put together Q Media Group, didn't you? That was fairly. That's your production company. That was pretty early in the pace, wasn't it? Yeah, look, it was. Q's been going since nineteen eighty. Yeah, so there you yeah. go. That same, that same, roughly that same time. That same yeah. Breezen time. Yeah, we formed that really because of Breezen from that point of view. Because uh, um, you had we had another income coming in, and I was doing different time, and and that was when you 
very early days of people being able to set up individual companies in a small way. Um, and then I've just always kept it going. Everything we've ever done has been through Q Media and we've been able to grow. We've done a lot of television and we do still do a lot of stuff um, with it. But, but, yeah, it's funny when you, you look at it and you think, albeit very small company, uh, how it's been going for 42 years now. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. No, well, <laughs> well, I just thought it was really interesting that, you know, very, very early in the piece, I mean, a lot of people potentially at that time getting a getting a TV show at night, which was, you know, popular, and then the, the music TV show, which was a very popular genre at the time, would have possibly just sat back and, and let that thing just blow over them and enjoy that moment. But you jumped straight into the whole setting up a production company thing at the time. Well, yeah, look, I guess one thing, Grant, which came to me blatantly obvious is the industry we're in um and, and certainly as i continue to grow into it what whatever i was going to do wasn't going to be for a long time and where i've been incredibly lucky is uh, over the years my family and uh, my partners and wives uh, have been along for the ride because there's a fair amount of uncertainty in it. yeah if, if you wanted security um yeah, you could w- get w- it work for a bank but- <laughs> Yeah, you know, but it, it wasn't going to be the way I was going to go. And if you wanted to get more money, you had to change yeah. uh, radio stations and you had to change towns as well. You know, so, so it, was a, it was a big move. And, and even, for example, uh, when I was at Channel 6 later in, in my life and um, that came to an end and I went and ran a pub with a mate up in Mildura and then then sale came along. Uh, what I'm saying is, is in a small way, I chopped and changed. And it was a time when people didn't do that a lot. Mm. Uh, security was fairly important and people very seldom, like all of my family, my, my siblings have grown up in Adelaide and they're still in Adelaide and lots of my friends are, are still doing that sort of thing. Whereas I was quite happy and thankfully the people who were around me, whether they were happy or not, but they mm. came for the ride as well. And, uh, and I guess that's a bit like Q Media as well, that we've been able to do a whole range of things and uh, you know, people will say, well, can you do this? And it's it's a bit like the duck on the pond, isn't it? You say, yeah, of course I can. And you try and act as calm as hell while underneath you're paddling like crazy. Um, and, and Q Media has given us that opportunity to do some some different things like it. And uh, I've loved it. And that, that's part of why I, I love the industry and it's, it's changing enormously as we continue. You mentioned Sailor Century just briefly before, but that was 1991. And for a lot of people, I think at the time, maybe not for yourself, but but people just avidly watching, Tony Barber had had departed the program, and and this fellow Glenn Reid sort of came out of the blue a little bit for particularly the media commentators at the time. How did all that come about, the sale of the century and, and starting that in '91? It was a it was a funny one. I was uh, a Channel Six for quite a few years. I left uh, Bendigo and radio uh, and uh, and television and went down to Channel 6 because they were doing a TV, a kids' TV show of a Saturday morning live, Six of Super Saturday show, which I did for a few years, and we also followed that up with another music video show called Off the Record. Um, and on top of that, did a, uh, a live uh, Monday afternoon kids' TV show, half-hour show. That was a time when Simon Townsend's Wonderworld was really oh, yeah. big, and, and uh, that was also a time where they local stations actually had to produce children's local television productions. Yeah. So so we made a show called Kids Only. The award the Logie Award winning Kids Only. It did. I got to kiss Hot Lips Hulahan. Um <laughs> uh, the highlight of my life. And thankfully she stood she didn't move because otherwise I would have been kissing Johnny Young uh, <laughs> at the time. But um yeah no it did it won a Logie. But the I the thing I loved about it and sorry I'm, I'm I'll get to the sale of the yeah, no, no, in it's a moment. Good. 
but the interesting part about it, I learned very early in the piece, um, was you had to figure out where you fitted in the food chain in the pecking order and what made something successful. And whatever you made was only going to be successful if the audience really liked it. Mm. Um, and uh, and Kids Only and Six Super Saturday Show, we got a whole heap of feedback from from that. And I had the pleasure of working with some really good people, albeit a very small crew, but, you know, even on the floor, for example, the cameraman and the audio is very, very much a close-knit team. And if you didn't have them with you for the ride, it could be pretty lonely and there was some doubt that they would be successful because it's contrary to what some people want to think uh, it's very much a team effort and even to this day it is um, and th that became blatantly obvious to me when I, I got sale of the century mm. um, because when when t everyone you're right media people said Tony you know was the show well Tony wasn't the show as I wasn't the show no. you know the the show with the contestants the format they were the two biggest stars of it all uh, then came the crew, the production guys who worked really solidly all the way through the week for us to then go in and record it. So, so really, as as a as a host and, and with, uh, with with Joe or, or Nikki or Karina, all three of us, we were number five down the down the pecking order as to the success of that show. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you didn't have all the other four on top, it wouldn't have been as successful as what it was. So, I, and I learned that really early in the piece. Um, so it's when I was given the opportunity to do sale, I pretty well knew where I fitted and what I had to do. And that was respect the audience, respect the contestants, and go through the motions to achieve the end result, which made that show successful. Must um, have... It would have been successful for whoever hosted it. Um, but, but sorry, I, I digress. We're getting uh -huh. back to your question. How did it all come about? I was at Channel 6 for a while, and uh, then a thing called amalgamation came into play there where local TV stations were changing um, and they were becoming relay stations. And the media landscape for regional Australia changed markedly. The local identity for the uh, regional areas was definitely lost. And uh, bar and news service here and there, you know, regional television production then was a thing of the, the past. So I was, uh, I was terminated there. I ran a pub for a mate of mine in Mildura. In the midst of that, I thought, well, I, I need to get some work maybe. Hmm. And uh, I went down to Melbourne and through a, um, a connection, dropped off a, a little tape I had to, uh, to Grundy's. They asked if I would do a, a, a trial tape, which I did. Um, and then I never heard anything more about it. And that was probably a year before sale actually came into being. So consequently, when I uh, uh, was given the, the phone call to say, do you want to come down and audition for sale? Um, I was quite surprised and never really expected anything to come of it. Mm. And it did, 10 years, 10 years doing sale. A good run. Yeah, look, it, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a good time. It was a great time. I, uh, was it any better than the, the Channel 6 days or the Channel 8 days? In some ways now, as you get older, I look back and think, well, no, it was just a part of the whole ride. It was... Mm. Uh, but where it was great for me, and, and even when I was going through the audition processes of Sale of the Century, um, I never expected to get the gig. Um, I just kind of went along and thought, well, I might get a TV commercial out of it. So I, I did an audition, and then I went back to the pub and worked at the pub, and then a few weeks later they said, can you come down and do another audition? Um, 
And I thought, oh, yeah. And, and all the way I was thinking what everyone else was thinking, you know, uh, how long is the show going to last? Can can you, 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 you can anyone fill what, what, what Tony and Elise had? And who are they going to regurgitate? Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, so consequently, I was really surprised when I actually ended up in the office of, of Channel 9 with a very good friend of mine who passed recently, Ian Johnson great television man mm. and um the guys from grundy's and they actually offered me the job they said we think you could do so and i was so set in my mind that i didn't think i would ever get it and god only knows why i would have been in that office now i look back with hindsight <laughs> but they uh, they said we think uh, you could do the job do you want it and i said something along the lines of oh i hadn't really thought about it and i can remember this look from john o and looked as if to say, what the heck have we got here? <laughs> From that point of view. Um, and then I, I said, yeah, look, obviously I'd, I'd love to do it. But but I, I really felt quite privileged that I was given the opportunity. And, and as I say, even more so as we went through the practice stages of, of getting the show and, and there was about a three-month gap. I don't know why they were so far ahead, but they were from when uh, Tony recorded his last show. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, you know, so we, we had the, the practices and we were shocking. Yeah, you know, Joe and I were shocked. <laughs> you know, this, the, it, it, the, we were there some days and even when we recorded our first first few weeks, um, our normal record would be I would get there at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, go through all the questions with everyone, with the adjudicator, et cetera. Uh, come 12 o'clock, you're going to have a sandwich. Come one o'clock, we'd start recording. And come six o'clock, we're at the Bridge Hotel, you know, with five shows under the belt. So it was a bit of a sausage factory. Yeah. In those first few records, you know, we were still going at nine o'clock at night. Mm. Um, because, and, and this is why, um, this is this is why I have the belief of where I fitted into the picture. Not one person grizzled in the production team. Everyone was hell-bent on that show succeeding and lots of people thought it wouldn't mm. you know lots of the media people had buried us in fact we had uh, holden was supplying cars they didn't think it was going to succeed so they actually dropped out they uh, they they said now nah, look here's an opportunity we'll get out of that contract and nissen came into play mm. you know so there are a lot of people who who were throwing dirt on us before we'd even started including darren hinch but it's just, it, was, it was the success <laughs> of the format though wasn't it because it was just such a Simple yet successful and magnetic format, and and in some ways it was like reality television of a previous era, wasn't it? It's just average Joe Blow people getting on answering questions. Some very smart people, clearly, but but it was just the simplicity in the format that worked so well, wasn't it? The the format was great, and the contestants were great. And mm. it, it's interesting nowadays. I, I come across people who say, "Oh, yeah, we went on sale." And I underestimated, again, the impact the show could have on people's lives. For yeah. example, lots of them just wanted to prove to themselves they could do something. Mm. You know, we have one lady, and gosh, I've forgotten the name, which is, is criminal, but she ended up taking – she became a champ, took the money, took the prizes and all that. And I saw her probably a couple of years later, and I wasn't aware of it at the time, but she'd just gone through a fairly messy divorce, and her life was – probably not as good as what she wanted it to be. So by her going on sale, she proved to herself that she could do something mm. and it changed her life enormously. It wasn't the money or the prize, it was more the uh, the mental approach. So she said, well, Baker, I, I, I can do this. And um, it was great to meet her two years later and she told me the story and you, you felt a bit humbled that you're 
a jigsaw in the puzzle to a degree um, that what you thought was just a little television thing could have impact on people. I, I speak to you know, sports guys who used to come in and all of a sudden they all, all remember when they came on sale and mm. what they achieved and everything like that. So you, you sometimes underestimate the role you have in life and in society and until later people bring it to your attention. And you bumped into that contestant a couple of years later. That sort of just shows there must be so many others exactly like her that you didn't bump into and didn't hear the stories of. So it's... Yeah. Um, it, it, well, it's... We, one of the biggest... Sorry, Grant. One of the, the most common things I had when people will ask us uh, or come up and say hi, we remember so on century, particularly people of Italian uh, background, Italian or Greek background, they used to say they, their grandparents loved it, couldn't speak a word of English. <laughs> they used to sit down every night, they'd love the show, they could get the gist of it and all that sort of thing. And, and to a degree, that's how lots of them learned English yeah. as well, as silly as it sounds. So tell me, um, moving away from Sal for a second, one of the other things that's really interested me about when I sort of uh, look at the life of Glen Ridge has just been this passion for cars, particularly in, <laughs> I guess, a 15 or so year run when RX-7 sort of became your thing. Um but it was a 10-year-plus sort of era of competing in things like Target Tasmania and the West Australian Target and all kinds of other bits and pieces. Was that something as a childhood thing that you just were addicted to cars or is it, did, it, did it happen later when you could get into some nice cars and drive them quickly? Well, I, a bit of each, actually. When I was growing up, I always enjoyed cars. My brother worked at Chrysler, as it was known, uh, in Adelaide, uh, then became Mitsubishi. And, uh, you know, he, he enjoyed cars. We used to go along to the races. In fact, as a young kid, my mum and dad and, and the family of Friday night, sometimes we'd go to Rolly Park, which is the speedway mm. in Adelaide. And uh, they used to be our Friday night entertainment, which, uh, and, and, and loved it. Um, and I guess I, I'd, I'd always enjoyed cars. I like being around them and that. But again, this is one of the good points of sale is that enabled me to, uh, I guess, drive other people's cars. <laughs> um, it opened up the doors that I was able to actually do some racing and uh, get sponsorship and things like that. So uh, that that was the catalyst for me then doing things like the Target Tasmanias. I did Australian safaris, which was some desert racing. I did some nude racing as well. And it enabled me to get into, um, into cars and, and do it and probably enjoy it more than I ever have. We then went on and did a TV show for um, for the Nine Network for a while called The Car Show, mm. uh, which was really a case of driving other people's expensive cars and not having to pay for it oh. and, and being able to claim petrol and tax. So, um, <laughs> why why did that stop? That sounds like a pretty good career. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, look, as I said, you, you, you chop and change, yep. don't you? Yeah, you do. I, I, did it, I did it to the next level because... When uh, when it worked with cars, someone said, and, and some, it was funny how you don't have to be creative to be in television, and that's how we came up with the name of the car show because <laughs> no one could think of anything else. And someone said, well, why don't we do something with boats? And I said, what are we going to call it, the boat show? And I said, yeah, <laughs> so we did. But that that was a whole new level, hopping into all these big cruises on Sydney Harbour and uh, and everything. Um, which we did with the boat show as well. But 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 cars have still, and they still are. We did a, a little show for Channel 7, 7 Mate, just recently called Garage 41. Um, and I still compete in Target Tasmania. In fact, we were down in Tassie a couple of weeks back for my 28th Target Tasmania. Wow. Um, so we, I was lucky enough to be part of Tarmac Racing very early in the piece when it, it start, first started here in Australia. So, uh, yeah, car, cars. And the thing I enjoyed about cars, 
Sorry, I'm chopping and changing. No, 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 that's good. No, 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 lovely. The, um, the thing I love about cars is many people might recall Eric Banner's uh, movie, The Beast, yeah. based on a, a Falcon, which he crashed in Target, Tasmania on one occasion. But he, he talked about the car being a bonfire, a little campfire, <laughs> whereby you'd light the fire and people would come around and they'd sit around <laughs> and they'd talk. And it was around the campfire. Well, he classed The Beast as his campfire because <laughs> that generated people to come. And over the years, I've been, in, I've been lucky enough to be in a whole heap of different situations whereby cars have brought very different people together. Yeah. For example, I watch Target Tasmania sometimes and there are some guys who are driving these flash cars and they could buy a South Pacific nation and then they're talking and you wouldn't have had a clue who was who, talking to someone who's saved up for 10 years to come and their holidays and it's been a real stretch but they've finally got down to do Tiger or, or an event like that. Mm. You don't know the synergies uh, of the people until you see them together. And the one thing bringing them together is their love of cars and they'll stand and talk for hours on end about it. But two very, very different people. And, and, and I just love it from that point of view. I oh, know exactly how you feel. I've, I'm, I'm a, uh, um, a very proud Mustang owner. And oh. uh, the, there, is a, there is a thing amongst Mustang owners um, and my wife uh, refers to it as a cult, um, but I'll just call it a thing. Um, but it, you're right. I mean, I've been, because it's my daily driver, I drive it everywhere and, uh, and I do a bit of travel for work and you might be in, oh, four, three or four weeks ago, I was in Swan Hill, staying in a nice little motel in Swan Hill and I pull in and there's a Mustang parked next to me in the motel and uh, Shane, his name was, got out of his room as I pulled in because it had that you know, quite distinctive coyote sound of the V8 um, he got out and we sat there for an hour and a half drinking a couple of beers, having a yarn about cars and Mustangs and life and so two yeah. completely random people that uh, were brought together by the car. Yeah, so you've just, got a new Mustang, have yeah, you? Yeah, it's a 2020 Mustang convertible, yes. Yeah, so very fortunate to uh, be in that position, but I love it very much, uh, very much so. I was going to get an old one, but it just felt like a lot of work to me to have an old <laughs> 65 Mustang convertible, so I got a 2020 Mustang convertible and, uh, yeah, no, I love it. They're great cars. They really are. Congratulations. No, and there's this little secret. There's, uh, there's a wave. I don't know if you've ever been in a Mustang when you, when the other ones go past you, but and I don't know this is common amongst other types of cars, but when you go past another Mustang, you have to wave at the other Mustang owner. There's a little... I, look, I, I give every Mustang a wave. It's a bird <laughs> as I go past because I'm not in one. <laughs> but on the cars, when I, when I was reading about the Targa thing, friends of mine have been right into Targa, and it seems to be something that... And there was obviously, you know, some tragedy this year. But it's a, but it's an event that is has been going for many, many years, and certainly has a has a sort of a bit of an addictive, magnetic type attraction to it for people like yourself who have done it and just want to do it. What's just the twenty eighth year this year? It's incredible. Yeah, you're right. It is a, a very different form of motorsport, and I I started doing, as I say, Target Tasmania twenty eight years ago mm. or twenty nine years ago because we had the year for COVID, which didn't exist. Um, but but in the uh, the early years of it, we were doing rallies, tarmac rallies throughout Tasmania. Uh, there were also some in South Australia with the uh, classic Adelaide. There was others over in Perth, and there were some in New South Wales as well, and and, and a couple of here in Victoria. Mm. So there were a lot of it, and and I was doing about six or seven a year for a while. It's a very different form of motor racing, um, similar to, for those who might not be aware of it very similar to dirt racing. Basically, you start of a morning, you drive on public roads, 
uh, with the speed limit, you get to a, what they call a special stage. They close the road off. In our situation, it's a tarmac road with a with dirt rolling, it'd be out in the forest or something. Mm. But they'll close off, for example, the bottom of Mount Dandenong, and you can go as quick as you like to get to the top as quickly as you possibly can. And then you do that stage, and then you drive on public roads with normal speed limits, etc., to the next stage, which is another public road closed off to, mm. to other traffic. So safety factor isn't like it is at a race circuit where you've got a marshal and you're going around the same thing every time uh, so you know exactly what's there. So there is a bit of an adrenaline rush and, and yes, it, 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 it's a bit edgy from that point of view. But again, it only needs to be as edgy as the driver or the people want it to be. And I've always gone in it with a mate of mine in the early days who was a far better drinker than he was navigator. <laughs> but we used to have a heap of fun. And uh, you know, my, all of my kids, my two daughters and my son, navigated for me or co-driven for me in the last couple of years my brother mm. has hopped in the car with me so I've always treated it as a case of getting away and having a good time with, with people close to me. We were competitive for a few years there but but not so much now, it's more just the camaraderie of getting down and having a good time but, and the other good part about it is when you are racing and competing you completely forget about anything else, mm. you know if, if your work situation or whatever goes right out of it because you're more than aware that if you if you slip up you're going to be in a red gun and, and you can have some fairly as has been occurred of, of late and over the years mm. tragic uh, tragic results but um the sport itself from my point of view is, is fantastic and i love it and, and i hope i can keep doing it for a long time to come so other than the cars what does uh, the rest of 2021 hold for glen ridge um Oh, gosh. Um, over the, or for quite a few years, I've, uh, we have a little farm and we raise some cattle. Mm -hmm. And um, so farming is very much a part of my life now. Uh, very much hands-on with it as well. So, and I love it. It opened my eyes to yeah, another side of life, you know, when we got the farm a long time ago. Mm. Um, so, so the farm's very important to me. Um, and, and hopefully we can can do another TV show, again, based on cars, similar to what we did with Garage 41. We're, we're talking about doing another one of those later in the year as well. And, um, and hopefully of, of late, uh, over the last few years, I've been lucky enough to go on some motorbike trips, primarily through the Himalayas. And the wow. reason I say this is uh, um, I was told the story going back a few years and a mate of mine said, what's your, what's your life plan? I said, oh, I'll live to 80 and then maybe die at 90. <laughs> said, no, 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 you, you, you're kidding yourself. And I said, well, what do you mean? What do you call a life plan? And I don't know whether this is true or not, but I, the closer I get to it, I think it is. You know, he said, well, you've got to do what you want to do before you're 75 because when the body and the mind doesn't, work together and doesn't want to support you you then tend to slow down a bit so have a look at your life plan so so that's when i decided to um, again with ollie uh my son we went to mount everest space camp we rode some motorbikes to the north one there and uh, then a couple of years where i went into the Kashmir in the himalayas um didn't quite get to Kashmir because pakistan had a bit of a rift with india and india decided to put a million soldiers on the border so we had a, we had an issue getting through there uh, but also also i've ridden motorbikes through uh, through america and uh, new zealand so ho hopefully i can snag another one of those if borders open later in the year or certainly early next year 
Well, Glenn, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure having a bit of a yarn today. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you do get to do those uh, the bike trips around um, Pakistan, India and the Himalayas and do a bit more of that and then get a TV show out of it as well, which would be just fantastic watching. So thank you for your time. Hey, a pleasure, Grant. The Sunday Celebrations radio show airs on Easy Music 3 MP every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock and across the ACE radio network in regional Victoria and southern New South Wales every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives, I'm your host, Grant Johnston. Thanks for listening.